0: Welcome to another episode of Paranormal, the New Normal. I am your host, as always, Jeremy, trying to make this world seem a little more normal, but these days, that's just impossible. But with me today is a guest who maybe can make your world seem a little bit more normal by what she does as a profession. My guest today is Desiree Sharini, who is a board-certified master hypnotherapist, which I am excited to talk to her because, as all my... Long-time listeners know, I've yet to have a hypnotherapist in this show, so let's get right into it. How are you doing tonight, Desiree?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you, Jeremy. I'm glad to be
0: here. And we're definitely glad to have you here. So the first question I ask everybody is, what made you want to get into the paranormal slash spirituality world that hypnotherapy falls into?
1: Um, well, you know... So first off, I have to split that into two answers. So as a professional hypnotherapist, I have to say, no, it's not all woo woo. However, some of it can be woo woo, especially in some of the areas I work in, Um, if we get into past life or spiritual regressions. But then on the other hand, there's real practical stuff like stop smoking, stop biting your nails, lose weight, motivation, all that that's pretty normal. But um, probably like you, I'm guessing, and anyone else listening, isn't there kind of a part of us that for those of us that are interested in this sort of stuff that it started when we were pretty young or just kind of always liking that uh, the other side information idea, whereas, you know, other people were perfectly happy on this plane of reality, I always thought it was kind of interesting to kind of mentally explore the other side
0: yes which i i agree i mean there are plenty of us who don't feel like we ever fit into society and mm-hmm. we felt like we needed to do something to make us fit more in a society and mm-hmm. whether that would be quit drinking so heavily or quit smoking which i mean smoking is a thing most people in society do at some point so yeah i can't really say that but but yeah so i i agree i agree so, what made you want to get into this profession? Like, was that just no. it that you wanted to feel different, no. or
1: yeah, I think I think at the core of me there was an interest in, um, in you know, what's not visible. You know, that might be the mind, that might be the spirit world. But um, a few things went into it. Um, my bachelor's degree is in psychology. Um, I, I've always leaned toward the helping fields kind of that direction. And um, one of the synchronicities that I ended up going into this training that I took for um, becoming a hypnotherapist 10 years ago, I just saw, do you know who the um, Edgar Casey uh, ARE Center is? You familiar with him and that center at all?
0: Sounds familiar, but I can't, I can't well, say I can pick. He, he,
1: he was known as the sleeping prophet and he opened a center in Virginia Beach, Virginia even though he was from the Midwest someplace. But there they do research and courses and such. Nonetheless, I was a member of that organization and I got a postcard in the mail that says, hey, we're training hypnotherapists. And it happened to be during a window of time where I had the money and I had the time. um, And I thought, huh, that sounds interesting. I'd never been hypnotized or anything, but as it would happen, I'll kind of cut through the chase here, it wasn't just straightforward clinical hypnotherapy. It was transpersonal hypnotherapists, which explains why they were at the Edgar Casey Center. And transpersonal being that it's mind, body, spirit, and um, not just so clinical, only stop smoking, only lose weight, that sort of stuff, but also go into that spiritual um, connection with hypnosis. So uh, that's how I ended up doing it. Um, just a you know wanting to do something that was helpful to people. And I saw this opportunity to, to do hypnotherapy and I thought that sounds really interesting. And then, you know, really, um, it being the perfect type of hypnotherapy for my perfect weirdness.
0: I like that. I like that. Cause I like that you just didn't want to do like the hypnotherapy you could see in every town where it's, Oh, quit smoking today or your money back, lose 30 yeah. pounds in a week or your money back. Like that yeah. type of, for lack of a better word, those scammers basically that no, I I do mean, it, it of, works, but it works. Yeah, um,
1: I do. It works, lot, but yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I. We won't even go into that. But yeah, I've seen. I had somebody come to me, um, who had seen somebody else locally, and what did they want? They wanted. I forgot what they were working on, but they were told by this other person, "Oh, it's going to be four thousand dollars. You have to come twice a week, and you have to do this, and you have to do this, and da 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 da." And when she came to me, I'm like, well, I like to do it um, one session at a time, see how you're doing, you come back as you feel you want more motivation and we go in that direction. And I think she had one or two meetings and resolved what she was working on. And we were both pleased, you know? So when you talk about, there are these people that have these programs, you know, massive programs and that's fine, Um, but I, I approach it differently.
0: Yeah, it's kind of it's it's similar to like the psychic world because I've had <laughs> people on here who said the same thing about the psychic world where they have clients who come to them and they say, oh, this I talked to this psychic in town and they want me to go light forty candles at a church and have to pay them like ten thousand dollars per candle to bless each one and. It's yeah. ridiculous.
1: I had a friend who uh, this girl approached uh, three of my friend and two others while we we're having lunch. And she says, I'm getting an energy from you on. I feel I want to do a reading anyway. So one of my friends continued to go see her. And she called me she um, from this girl's place and said, she says I have to give her eight hundred dollars so she could go buy buy this relic. And only she's the one who can get it for me. And I have to take it home and sleep with it under my pillow. And I'm like, do not do that. Do not give her eight hundred dollars for a relic. You know, it's like no. Oh god, a, a,
0: a relic, a relic that she probably has a crate of, sitting in her, in her, in her <laughs> bedroom that she sells to people all the time. Yeah, old,
1: old dog bones from behind the, uh, you know, animals. Exactly. Show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh. Exactly. Oh. So, the second question I always ask in this show, and that's kind of the point of the show, is this question. But it's about more than that as well have you had any experiences with anything spirit related or anything like that?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll start probably at my youngest experience and just the other day, you know, I have never been like a very much into UFOs or ET or that sort of stuff. I think as I've gotten older though, I start to recognize that anything can be a uh, vibrational you know, being on yeah. different frequencies, whether it's an ET or a spirit or a ghost or whatever, that it's just a, a different frequency. And um, so when I was about 11, and so it occurred to me, a reason I bring that up is because I thought maybe I was abducted and never even thought of it that way. Okay. Because everybody says I was watching a video. I'm like, gee, they're all describing my experience, except for I never thought I was abducted. But um, so I'm in my bed, I'm about 11 uh, years old in my bed in the middle of the night and something wakes me up and I sit up and there's this ball of light just kind of floating around at the foot of my bed. And I am scared stiff, literally just sitting there not moving for, and I don't, you know, it felt like an eternity drenched in sweat, just terrified to even move because there's a ball of light floating around my room. And, um, finally it, it kind of went out the window you know I had a window it went out the window and then my yeah, I can still see it you know all these years later I can still see this happening and so I sat there for a little while thinking okay it's gone I get up out of bed and some like I'm, I'm 11 years old I don't go to my parents and say yeah there's a ball of light no I go take a shower change into a dry night counter and go to sleep like I, looking back I'm like that was just weird to do um, and years later, I told my mom about it. As an adult, she goes, "Why didn't you come tell us?" I said, "I don't know. It didn't even occur. I didn't want to bother anyone." So that was <laughs> that was um, years ago. Um, through hypnosis, I've I've done um, uh, on others, but also with myself, done the process called Life Between Lies, where it's a hypnosis that very deep takes three to five, sometimes six hours. And you help facilitate the person hypnotically to go into the spirit world. Um, So I've had my own experience there. And that was in particular after my mom died in 2019. Um, But the day I was there with her and, and, you know, her and my dad and, and their condo when she died. And the next morning she comes to me. She was psychic, by the way. So she would see things, know things. Um, she had a quite a quite a couple of stories, but um, so I'm half awake, half asleep. And that is the state that you kind of have to be in for hypnosis as well as for deep meditation, or as well, this is when that's somehow your, your window's open to this sort of stuff. But she came to me um, and I'm laying there and I see her, like she looks, But with my eyes closed, I know it's not her physically, but she's standing by the side of my bed. And um, she has these three flat stones in front of her getting taller and three flat, smooth stones like this. And she does this motion uh, up. And in my, like, cognitively, I'm hearing build me up and something about her bed. And I'm like, okay. I tell my sister and dad about it. And we're not knowing what what exactly was this message. And um, a couple of days later, we're at the um, cemetery to choose a place. And he says, "Well, there's this area over here. There's this area over here." Or he puts in front of us a picture. He says, "Or there's new mausoleum," and and it's a large monolithic stone structure with smooth flat stones. And we all look at each other. And my dad said, "Well, she never wanted to get buried." Like. So she was saying she wants to be in the mausoleum. So she has a top floor corner up there now. And um, along with my dad who just passed. But um, then, I mean, I could go on. But then a few months later, talking to my dad, he he was missing her very much. And I seemed to have dreams about her or uh, kind of somewhat more connected in that way. And um, so I thought, well, I'll ask her, you know. So one day I wake up and I'm half asleep and I'm like, hey, mom. You know mom you there and i'm like uh you know do you have a message i can give give to daddy so that you know he knows you're you know thinking of him or sending a message to him and uh, she tells me there's a wooden box with a note or a card or a letter that has pink flowers on it and um it's in the right hand corner of this wooden box so and i go tell my dad and i'm trying to make this not too long um, I do have this on a podcast. I, I put it up um, Halloween a couple of years ago. It's called Ghosts in the Spirit World, I think. But I describe it in detail. But I we I tell my dad, and he says, well, there is a, a wooden chest out in the storage area. So we go out there and we're digging through. And there is a an envelope in the right-hand corner that has pink flowers on the border. And it's a letter that she had written to him like... Uh, many years before like 25 years before when he was on business trip and it said return to sender and he'd never even gotten it but for some reason it's still there and in the letter it talked about the first time they met the first time they said they loved each other and how she missed him and um et cetera so forth and it was like a basically a love letter um and so i I just thought that was you know very sweet and obviously a message for my dad there's a few other things but yes I've had I've had some interesting stuff
0: yeah that, that that that's actually adorable that that yeah like when I love when stories come through like that like and they actually proves like it's it's something simple but it's a mm-hmm. just amazing sto- it's a good story because it's so simple that it's believable no one's gonna ever say oh that can't be true like obviously mm-hmm. it's true
1: yeah yeah and like how would I know there's an envelope with pink flowers on it and it turned out to be a letter to my dad you know But yeah,
0: sweet. But yeah, I mean, it's very sweet. Hmm. And it gives hope, gives hope that you could talk to your loved ones after death. It it really Mm -hmm. does. And I, but I also saw that you wrote a book and I was hoping Mm -hmm. we could talk about that for a bit. It's called Journey to to Joy, The Written Path.
1: Yeah. And that's uh, more along the life coaching line. Um, I, um, It's about journaling and it's mostly my own journaling when I was going through a difficult time uh, of just writing. And the idea is to um, just start writing. Like, don't even like have a plan. (laughs) Don't say I'm gonna write about this or I'm gonna write about that. Just, it's almost like a stream of consciousness. Just start writing and see what comes out. And then what happened for me after I decided to write every day for 15 minutes a day I was going through you know, difficulties with my ex and making, you know, having to make a decision. And um, But by the end of 30 days of doing that, I had clarity, made up my mind, knew what I wanted to do, knew exactly how I felt about everything and was able to move forward. So I, my book is a hybrid of my writings, but made into steps along the way for someone else to read and maybe be inspired to get ideas. And then at the end of every chapter, I have writing prompts for someone to move along to their own clarity and and you know finding their own way toward what whatever it is they they feel stuck in to get unstuck
0: yeah I mean journaling has for a lot of people journaling works for for me it never necessarily yeah. works i I'm a mental person I don't like to write things down like even my, my boss mm-hmm. tells me all the time he's like why don't you write these things down? Like, cause I have a good memory and everything sticks up there. And I remember, I like a to-do list in my head at all times. So <laughs> it works. I don't you can do I'll it, but.
1: You know, I kind of left off in my experiences. Uh, and I don't know if you came, ac- I don't know if you would have come across this, but um, I recently had, um, I had a brain hemorrhage, two brain surgeries and was in the hospital for a month.
0: But. Oh no. I did not come across that, and I am terribly sorry that happened to you. Me
1: too. Yeah, thank you. So what happened, though, with the first surgery, there was an accident, which is why there was a second surgery, where they had to cut me open, go in and fix things. But um, the first surgery um, had an accident and um, caused blindness in my left eye. So at first, I was like, you know, is it the drugs or what's going on here? But I had... um, the most interesting visual experience is right after losing the sight for like days, I was seeing hallucinations, um, but I knew they were hallucinations. And I would say to the doctors, I'm like, you know, there's somebody standing next to you. If I know there's not really someone next to you, is it really a hallucination or is it like, you know, <laughs> and they're like, OK. Um, and once again, I did record this and uh if anyone's interested in, you know, what I saw when I lost my sight was what I called it. It was trippy. It was like, there were, there was like a, a speakeasy party going on on the ceiling. Uh, everyone was in black and white and jewels and all dressed like the 1930s, 40s, but it was all black and white. But And then in front of me was like a grid, like the matrix. So it was like overlaying between me and reality um, that I would see these geometric patterns as if they were scratched in light in the, in the air in front of me, straight lines, you know, all these geometric patterns, um, people walking through the room. So there were three different things. And but spiritually, maybe this one, everything was in black and white, except for this one little girl was over here on my blind side, <clears throat> but I could see her. And um, but I mean, she was in my visions. And she was there for a couple days. And um she looked like she came straight out of the 1950s. Little brown hair, yellow dress, sweet little trubic, like she was a butter commercial or something, right? And um, and she just was all like always hanging around right there. And I asked her in my brain as I'm laying there like hi or whatever, "What's your name?" And her name's Marjorie. So finally, after a couple of days, I said, "You know, Marjorie, you and I was in ICU." So it occurred to me like who knows, maybe I'm seeing some past residents that are somehow, I had this little veil lifted because of everything that just happened with me. Um, and I was seeing things that you might not normally see, right? And um, I asked Marjorie, I said, you know, you don't have to stay here. I said, you know, you can go to the light. And then I'm seeing this light up in the corner of the room. I said, see, I said, if you go toward the light, you know, you'll it's much better there. You don't have to stay here. And so she looks up looks at me and it's almost like she floats up to the light and then she waves goodbye as she kind of disappears through the corner of the room and she never came back. So I guess hopefully she found her way. And, you know, this is the sort of thing that people say, well, you're really like, what are you smoking? And I'm like, well, there was something in the IV, but that same stuff was in the IV. But, you know, when the vision started to go away, when they moved me to a different room, and um, and I thought, well, that's interesting. So all this stuff was happening in in you know ICU room, ICU room two, <laughs> going down the hall after I they put me in a stabilized room. You know, I'm like hmm. Party was down in room two.
0: Yeah, I mean certain yeah. rooms in certain rooms could easily be more haunted, for lack of a better word, than others. Like just more more spirits remain there because more spirits mm-hmm. died in that room than any other room. That's just the way it goes sometimes.
1: Yeah, it was it was really interesting. And none of it was scary to me. It was just fascinating. I mean, people I'm sure anyone came to visit me or the nurses thought I was like off my I'm like like just watching it, going, Wow. <laughs> oh well, well
0: you mentioned earlier that you do past life regression hypnosis. Yeah. Which I've, I've had a few past life regressionists on here as well, and it's a fascinating topic that I love to talk about. So tell me about, I guess, well, how do, how do you do it? Because everybody does it different from what I've heard.
1: Um, so you know, being a hypnotherapist, a lot of the time when I'm doing it, a lot of the time it's, it's used therapeutically. So if somebody has a current day issue they just can't figure out, we go to the source might be, um, go to the past life where you know, this can be resolved or where this has happened before or where you need to break a pattern. However, a lot of people do just come out of interest. So the way I do it is um, the, um, the process is pretty much the same I use with any hypnosis, which is um, I might have somebody use a focal point or um, to start, but a lot of guided imagery toward relaxation. And like, you know, now you're just floating down the easy river or maybe you're floating in space or whatever it is. Progressive relaxation, meaning like go through and have them relax all their muscles. What are called deepening techniques, you know, counting back, counting down. So I get I do all these step down things to get their conscious mind to kind of give up and and take a break, and um, and then I suggest either something like there's a timeline and they float back on it, or you know sometimes I might use a hall of mirrors and you look in the you know, walk up to a mirror and you see yourself in a past life. Um, But usually it's one of those two. So that's the the process. And then once they're there, I I start asking questions, take notes, and usually record for them. Um, And and I say usually start with like, you know, look around, you know, what's happening, or look down, what are you wearing? Um, Look at your hands, what color your hands? Um, Look at yourself, are you a man or a woman? And and kind of build on who else is there. I usually try to ask them what year it is, if there's a, a, a city or their name first and last, because then, you know, they could potentially go and look that person up. And, um, and a lot of people have, you know, found, you know, not just not just a couple of clients of my own. I have uh, one of my um, fellow hypnotherapists. She she um, said she looked at the newspaper, saw the, the date, knew her name knew the town and was able to go and look up this person and actually see the landmarks that she described in her um, past life experience. So, you know, people say, oh, I don't believe in past lives. I'm like, okay, well, when you come back, you will. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a full believer in past lives. And I was actually supposed to have, with one of my previous guests, I was supposed to have a past life recession, but she had a family emergency and we haven't gotten around Mm -hmm. to rebooking it yet. But... I do look forward to it because, uh, I mean, everybody hopes that they're King Arthur or they're Napoleon or some big person in their past life. But, I mean, we all know that's not usually the way it goes. Usually you're just another yeah. common person. But
1: it, it is. Int- I've been like, I think the first time I had one done for me, I went back to, you know, being like, not Pocahontas, but, you know, like an Indian woman, um, and I, it's like nothing I've ever, I'm not like an Indian aficionado or Native American, you know, you know, some people are into something. And so they're like, oh, well, I, I didn't expect it at all. And um, I expected once I realized I was Native American, that um, I expected to be out West, you know, because those are the kind of Native Americans I pictured. And then I said, but, but there's pine trees here. And I was totally confused. Uh, like, what am I doing with pine trees? And, you know, so it, I, I think that adds to the legitimacy. Is when someone drops into uh, a past life that they wouldn't have made up on purpose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd hate to be the person that goes into their past life and they realize they were Hitler or something. But yeah, <laughs> like that wouldn't be the pleasant one for sure. Or you realize you're working in a yeah. death camp or in a bad battle in World War II or something like that. Like that'd be horrible. But He's
1: working off some criminal.
0: Well, yeah, basically.
1: (laughs) And something about that, too, is, um, you know, I'll throw this in there because some people say, well, how could so many people have said they're Cleopatra? You know, you couldn't all be Cleopatra, right? But there's one concept of the idea, and this actually kind of makes sense if we think about it this way, that, you know, energetically, we're not like in a sealed package. Right. So we and others could be experiencing uh, expressing our selves through a like a shared energy, uh, shared frequency. Uh, so it's possible that I or you could have both experienced being uh, Cleopatra because we're not it's like a drop in the ocean kind of a thing we're all the yeah. ocean, you don't encapsulate the, you you share this thing. So that was one explanation that, well, I guess that's how it could work because, um, and then the, the whole time and space thing is like, once we're out of this timeline in our bodies, there's, it's, you know, it's probably all happening at the same time because time is irrelevant. So, it's like <laughs> yeah it, it is i mean <laughs> yeah i
0: mean as they say time's a river you can go forward or you can go backward in it like you just mm-hmm. have to figure out the right way to do it but so what is life between life's hypnotic regression i saw that in your page and i was kind of interested in that
1: that it's really fascinating um so what that is um it's you know, the progress, the process is similar in that you get the person very, very relaxed. Um, But the goal of the, the end goal of the process is to go into that time before you are born into this lifetime. So you take them back just briefly into their most recent past life, temporally, as we can understand it, take them through their death into going into the spirit world from there. Before they're born here with the idea um, that in between lives, it's kind of like their soul school, right? Yeah. Um, where there's some adjustments, some, you know, evaluations, some choices. You know how this now one of the things people say is, oh, you choose your parents, you choose whatever. Um, so there's the concept of that, that decisions are made on a soul level about what needs to happen in your next incarnation to help either deal with like being hitler <laughs> deal with some karma or to move forward as a soul and if you can picture the idea that you know here we go to kindergarten through you know 12th grade school and then finally you graduate and you don't have to go back so that's sort of a metaphor i guess for the idea that as spiritual beings that we can grow until, you know, you get to that sort of state that you don't have to keep coming back. Um, anyway, but um, Michael Newton is well known for uh, his books on this. He, I think he came upon it um, randomly with clients that uh, a couple of clients that spontaneously went into this state of being. Instead of going into a past life, they were seeing spiritual or explaining things that didn't make sense as as uh, physical world. So he decided to study this. And I think he had over 2000, maybe I'm exaggerating, but um, so many, so many clients. And what he discovered was there seemed to be a pattern that this spiritual place, um, even though it's not a physical place, it actually had steps along the way that didn't always go in the same order, but that what these people experienced in their process and they didn't know each other. They didn't share notes. And it was a little yeah. unique to each person, but it's actually a process <clears throat> that it seems like people go through. And so I did have it done for me. And um, and once again, sort of like the past life, it didn't go in the order I was expecting, but the stages did show up. So I was like, huh, something to this. And and, um, and in in that, it was some months after my mom had passed and I saw her and every everybody i knew um i forgot to tell you this part but but she was this just this um i was this glowing blue whatever energetic thing and she was kind of this gold and yellow brownish lit up thing and she kind of came forward and it, it, you kind of have to be there but um one of the things she did say to me when i asked her about a message for my dad i really felt like i had this conversation and i said so we're going back a little bit, but I said, so mom, while well, I got you. What's it like there? She says, Oh, it's beautiful. I'm beautiful. Everything's beautiful. And I asked her who else is there. Cause both my godparents had passed. I have a sister who's passed. And she says, yes, they're here. They're here. And she goes, and Donnie's here and Donnie was a dog that she had even before I was born, like a favorite pet. And then she says, you're here too. You just don't know it. And I was oh. like, okay. Ironically, that was she's the first person I heard that from. And then in studying further for this Life Between Lives um, uh, certification that was coming some months later, I heard it again from Michael Newton. And then I also read a hundred year old little book for a presentation I was making. And that person who had psychically traveled a 100 years ago to this realm said the same thing. So like that drop in the ocean, not all of us is poured into a glass every time we reincarnate. a chunk of our energy is always in that spirit world. So when they say that when someone goes to like heaven or whatever, everything is perfect, everyone they love is there, they are apparently. But down here, we're not experiencing it because we're in this physical shell that we, you know, unless you go to a deep meditation, a hypnotic state or something like that, you, or some people, you know, are just have their veil more open that they can, experience it so and it's really a fascinating process
0: it does sound very fascinating and to be able to go and actually experience like the in between or as they mm-hmm. call it or the beyond the beyond as they call it in some different places but yeah. i mean just or even even i mean you guess you could even call it purgatory i guess kind of Could do you well, believe it's like a do you believe it's like a waiting room where we're, our spirits are waiting there to be reincarnated when we passed or
1: um well i don't think it's so much purgatory for some it there can be an area where they got they got to go to remedial classes you know <laughs> like I, but for most i think it's and they talk about in everyone's experiences and i did too i saw it as like like these light forms start to take shape and and my conscious you know, my brain, you know, human brain starts to make sense of it. And I'm like, oh, I'm seeing these lights. Oh, it turns into this large like library building. So everyone describes this place of learning. And some people will describe it more. So there's almost like you um, go to school and come back out a little better off. And um, so it's the thing is, it's not it's not really purgatory like because it's um, at least the very beginning of it in particular is like it's like everything, like my mom said, everything's beautiful, I'm beautiful, you're happy. Um, But if a soul, I guess, or human has been a very bad human or not done, you know, chosen wrong, um, that they may not have that positive experience, they may have to, I guess, you know, I mean, like, how do I say, uh, you know, I guess I'm more expert on it from reading so much stuff and having the personal experience. But you know, it's one of those things you don't know until you're there. But as I understand it, if a soul, a human, has chosen wrongly and knows very well that they're choosing wrongly, that there will not be so much fun on their way through that process, and they may have to stay there much longer than say a quick turnaround.
0: <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Yeah, but do you do you actually believe in reincarnation or no?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, and, and be because of my experiences and like I said, having you know, my own experience where uh I was in France and it was like the eighteen, early eighteen hundreds, whatever, but um I I you know I was asked my address and I'm like, well it's, you know, Saint Rue d'Artagnan, you know, number five rue d'Artagnan. And um and I'm like, oh and I described my house and it was like on the corner you know how some corners are like sharp and there's a yeah uh, yeah i described it it had wrought iron railings it was whitewashed though it was white and with black ironwork, and and that was my address and i after afterward i went huh and so i just google you know saint rue d'artagnan and, and france and i put in images and there's a house just like that except for it's red brick now you know and i'm thinking at first, I was like, "Oh well, I guess it's not the same place." But I look, you think about it, and yeah, they used to whitewash um, brick buildings. I said, "It could be." Could I find out any more about it, or my friend that found the place up in Boston, the name, the burial plot, the landmark uh, next to her grave, um, and so much. Uh, my my incarnation, I guess, as a Native American, it went through the whole timeline. My husband died. I'm an old lady with gray hair. And and I'm sure I must have learned this someplace. So somebody could say, oh, well, you remember it someplace. And this is why you made this up. But um, we were forced to move. We were forced to pick up and leave and walk and walk and walk and walk. And, walk. and I'm crying because we're leaving the only place we've ever known. And um, and I had a year and I, you know, later I looked it up and, oh, it happened to be the timing of the Trail of Tears. And um, I'm like, oh, Oh, well, that makes sense because it didn't make sense in the event. I wasn't like, oh, I'm in the trial of tears. I had to look it up and and put the pieces together and say, oh, so I'm an old lady. We're walking and we're going out some places dry away from our woods and and we have to leave. Um, We're being told to move. I, I don't know. But yeah, I think once you've had it happen, if you're deep enough, also the emotions come up. Very real, so it's kind of different than a dream because you feel um, what it feels like to actually be there.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, it just—I don't know. I, I gotta reach out to this woman that was I my to, to get my past life regression done. It makes me <laughs>
1: <laughs> well. You can reach out to me if you don't hear from her.
0: Oh, gladly. I, it's it it's so interesting. It's so interesting. But so. What do you, well, I asked everybody this who's into the spiritual world because everybody says that there's a great, I've been told many times and I agree that there's a awakening, a great awakening going on for the last, some people say five years. Some people say since 2012, especially. Mm -hmm. Do Do you, do you believe that?
1: Yeah. Um, I have, um, a friend who's very, very, um, educated in astrology for like over 50 years. Um, And um, so I get a lot of information from her, but also, you know, this whole age of Aquarius thing. um, It's it's it started, you know, it's not like, oh, it started on this date at this hour. It's, you know, depending on where you where you get your reference, it started like, you know, anywhere from, say, 200 years ago to 20 years ago or whatever. Um, But it takes it takes, you know, this transition of the planets and all this, it takes a while to transition. So we're going from the age of Pisces um, into the age of Aquarius. And so what things that are associated with that are an awakening, are um, more spirituality, are, um, you know, like they say, more love. Pisces apparently was, and if you think of uh, Jesus and the, the sign of the fish, um, yeah. Piscine age it's kind of interesting how it all ties together oh there's a i forgot who it is but there was a great little like 20 minute youtube um no it's it's a show called um the secret language of symbols or something on gaia but um great show if you ever get that but it was talking about the the mitre the hat on the popes is a fish tail and yes. you're like oh oh huh, how about that and and these symbols and then if you go to the ages before that different um, symbology, but so yes, I do believe it. Um, also there are, uh, as far as, um, environmentally heating, cooling, heating, cooling. That's one of my pet peeves is people are like, Oh, global warming is caused by people. It was hotter on this planet before people arrived. It was way up here. So it's a natural thing. We're not helping with our pollution or whatever, but there's no way we can, put the brakes on a natural cycle where like, you know, floating in space and we happen to be at a certain part on the galaxy. And and there's too much that we can't, you know, we can't jump out and stop our sun and our solar system and all that from transiting. But, um, but there are these cycles. There's a 2000, like, I guess there's a 2000 year cycle. And then there's something like a 20 to 25,000 year cycle. And we are at the edge of both of those. So we are actually at that chink, and um, so I, I be, you know, I believe it's true. We think, um, you know, the twenty-five thousand-year cycle. I guess if we just look back. I suppose there was a lot of upheaval, upheaval, and flooding, and whatever else happened. And um, knock on wood, it takes a long time to happen.
0: <laughs> oh, it does. I yeah. mean, but a spiritual awakening is also not. A- bad thing Mm -hmm. like it's a good thing for the world because people need to get more in touch with their spiritual sides and 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 so
1: yeah you will have this you know when that's something's bubbling to the top like the spiritual awakening you're going to have conflict from the old and the new um and even internally you know um but yeah that's i believe it's happening and then there are people talking about fourth density into the fifth density then i started out talking about frequencies um leveling up so you know i'm not the expert on all that but i i do love to read and study these things and i've certainly seen more than one reference that are disparate and but they tie together
0: makes sense to me and i mean and also you got to think about the fact that well one like how you said the earth was warmer before we were here the earth was also colder before we were here and it went through its own (laughs) natural cycles yeah people doing anything so yeah I mean, I'm, I'm not saying extraterrestrials didn't do something, who knows, but it's always a possibility. They,
1: they, they um, have, you know, the ice core samples, like from where it's, yeah, so they can tell that's like this history in the ice core sample of levels after level after level of melting and freezing, melting and freezing. So they have quite a long history. Um, and, you know, so I don't know that the Earth, the ET could have even done that, however, You've probably seen some of those things, like where like uh, sand is melted into glass, which yes. only could have ha- happened from like some sort of n- nuclear blast in prehistoric times. Yeah,
0: it, or or the perfectly placed lightning strike. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, all over oh. all over some particular desert. Yeah, you know, it's just it's uh yeah, and then there's people that say I don't believe in ETS. It's like okay, but you know. Uh, so, a lot of interesting stuff out there to to keep me oh,
0: they're it right.
1: digging forever, right. right? Rabbit holes, lots of rabbit holes in my backyard.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly, and that's that, that's pretty much the tagline of my podcast. Is I go down so many rabbit holes, I lose my way back out of them. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But let's go let's go to the topic that is your specialty, like hypnosis, because I never really talked to anybody about hypnosis. How does it work actually? Like, how does it work with our minds be able to go mm-hmm. into this trance?
1: Yeah. So um, basically it's, you know, it's really fascinating. So if you can um, accept the idea that we're, we're pretty much electrical, right? Cause yes. we're, you know, we've got these synapses and, and even our heartbeat and everything. We, we kind of like, you know um, it, if um, our electricity stops, we're basically, Flat line right, so we are pretty much an electrical being, and so our brain waves um, have different uh, I don't want to say speeds, but um, levels. Um, so there are four or five different levels. So beta is sort of like what we're at right now, and it's pretty, it's pretty swift, right? So if you think of um, you know, taking the meter and, and measuring something. Uh, and usually that's when you're paying attention, you're doing something new, you're driving, you, you have to have focus and you're awake, right? Like really awake. And of course it goes between, you know, from high beta might be super stressed to low beta would just be sort of like our conversation now. Then there's alpha alpha is when you're pretty well relaxed and it starts to, the waveform starts to spread out. And, uh, so maybe you're working and you're doing something that's familiar. Um, low beta might be when you're driving someplace that you drive every day and you lose track of like, you don't remember getting, you know, like, what wait, I don't remember passing, you know, the regular landmarks. And that's uh, the low, low alpha wave is the beginning of hypnosis. And so, you know, some, some uh, taglines will be like, you go into hypnosis twice a day for sure, when you're first waking up and when you're first sleeping. Because that's when you get into this half awake, half asleep state, which is theta is after alpha. So, theta um, can be half awake, half asleep, that dreamy state. And, you know, slower theta is when you're in a deeper state of hypnosis. And so it's your brain waves. And then after that is delta, which is when you're sleeping. And slowest delta is deep sleep. And there's also something called gamma. Which is even faster than beta. They're still trying to understand it, but that's like, like they found it on like the Tibetan monks that are in like super meditation, like phew. Um, so that's it's the brain waves. And then what happens with those brain waves is our conscious mind, the one that we think we think with, um, the one that we think is making the decisions. Well, we can get it to um, dismiss and get out of the way when we're not. Talking, busy, thinking, and using it like that. When we get relaxed enough um, and focused. So, hypnosis is a highly focused, highly relaxed state. So, for example, you say you get the person to look at the watch or stare at a spot or look at your eyes or, you know, close your eyes and just listen to my words and let everything else disappear. You only hear my words and the music, right? And have them just let go of everything else and just focus on what I'm saying. And so if you get them to do that, then their conscious mind just kinda, you bore them to death with the conversational tone of your voice and you just lull them to sleep like a fairy tale, right? Um, You get them to release that conscious control. And then the subconscious mind, which really runs the show, is always listening anyway. It's always paying attention anyway so that's what happens that's how it works is manipulating the mind and the focus to let the conscious mind take a break and then you're just talking to the subconscious mind it's kind of a long answer but i hope that explained it
0: it does it does i mean it makes sense because there are different waves in our head all the time i mean that's why certain sounds affect us certain ways i mean Mm -hmm. There's the there's that whole theory that certain sounds can relax us, certain sounds can make mm-hmm. people people go insane if they listen to them long enough. Like it's just yeah. interesting what our our minds are a complete mystery to us still, and it's funny that we've been around for over four thousand years now, and we still have no idea how our minds really work. Yeah, so.
1: yes, and it's um, like binaural beats, for example. Um, <clears throat> what it does is it sends one resonance in here and another one over here, so they're disparate. But it forces your brain to match them up and, and create basically uh the, the level that is the desired level. So like if you look on YouTube, it says wear head headphones, you know, for these binaural beats, that's what it's doing is it's making your auditory system go into this state of almost hypnosis.
0: Yeah, which it's interesting. It really is. Yeah. <clears throat> what are some What would you say is the most interesting thing that ever happened to someone you were forming hypnosis on?
1: Um, well, I had a client, um, who wanted to do a past life regression and was kind of on the, on the fence about whether, you know, he even believed in past lives and, um, and I took him back to the source. It was being used therapeutically. <laughs> it was supposed to be. But um, being used therapeutically to find, you know, where where some issues were coming from. And, <clears throat> and like I said, usually I say, okay, you know, where are you? What's going on? Who else is there? So I say, um, well, like, it, anyway, it turns out he's like, I'm wearing sandals and I'm wearing white and who else is there? My brother. And um, we're fighting. And I'm like, okay. And But as he goes on, I'm like, things aren't making sense. Like I'm picturing, okay, you know, and I'm like, what year is it? There's no year, you know, and I'm like, well, where are you? I'm nowhere or, you know, something like this. So as it goes on, um, he is experiencing a past um, uh, life as Gabriel, the angel.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, it sounds like Bible times.
1: And he's having a fight with his brother, Lucifer. And yeah, and um, anyway, so, but that wasn't such the uh, heaviest part of it. Is so, you know, we work through that, and and I, you know, bring him back out, and um, he's slow to come back, and I'm like, okay, well, I said, well, that was really, that was quite an experience, you know. How are you feeling? What do what do you think of that? And he says, I don't remember anything. And um, I'm like, you don't remember anything, you know? No, why, what happened? I'm like, oh, okay, well, I have it all recorded, yeah. So I think that was the most uh, unusual um, thing in particular, because you thought, well, maybe he's kind of like, making not making it up, but going someplace that made sense to him. But for the fact that he didn't even remember it, made me really go, huh. Isn't
0: that interesting? Yeah, that's 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 insane. That's insane, <laughs> though, to remember to be remember you remember yourself being Gabriel. And I mean, I actually just I just listened to the audio version of um. My God, how am I forgetting this? Not Prometheus, but um, the story Lucifer's version of the story of him falling. I can't remember what mm. how it's called right now. I'm God. It's gonna annoy the crap out of me now. Mm. I'll see what I think in a minute, but that's that's making that's making me mad. I know what.
1: That's a whole other um, rabbit hole. Is like Lucifer, Satan, not Satan, just Lucifer. And Lucifer yeah. is he really bad, or is he the bringer of light? And, you know, and who threw him under the bus? Was it the Catholic Church, or you know, um, uh, the snakes? snakes yeah. is a thing and and you know why they get such a bad name when they're actually gods in so many you know they're really revered and and um have been worshipped even in some societies for bringing wisdom and for uh, representing you know light or intelligence and it's like
0: huh. yeah oh my god I can I can't think what this is called it's going to drive me nuts but yeah. How can someone strengthen like their own intuitive powers though? Like, so they can possibly even like hypnotize themselves in a way.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like another one of those questions that has two answers. Um, um, you know, something else I've done is I, I do have a course on building personal intuition. But what I did with that, so the, some of the exercises that I've talked about there, are getting in touch with your brain and your body because your body really does act as a, sort of like a Geiger counter, uh, a feedback system. So, you know, and we use the words all the time, like, oh, you know, my heart was broken or I felt it in my gut or, you know, we use these automatically. But we don't give it, um, as a society, we don't honor that. We always go, well, I've got to logically think this out, right? And um, so the more that you can pay attention to how your body feels when you are encountering a situation or when you need to make a decision or when you want to really uh, know how you feel about something. Someone says, how do you feel? I don't know. (laughs) it's like, it's you. Uh, What do you mean you don't know? I don't know how I feel. Right. So um, to train ourselves to kind of sit quietly, you know, not necessarily doesn't have to be meditation, but it can be to sit quietly and think so among the exercises that um, I might use is to think of a time when you've been really angry, right, or something that you're still angry about, and then kind of scan your body. And say, where am I feeling that? What happens when I think uh, or feel angry? And then kind of like get to know, oh, that's, that's anger. Okay, then think about when you're feeling happy. Find that feeling in your body. So there's, those are some tools for building more self-awareness. Um, and the same thing, you're walking down the street and you know who hasn't maybe gotten that sort of weird feeling, like the hair on the back of your neck thing, or you see somebody and you cross the street to the other side. Or sometimes you see somebody coming and you don't feel that fear. So just being more in touch with um, your body's um, language, telling you, you know, more than your brain can tell you. Uh, self-hypnosis, uh, on the other hand, is not that easy. But if, if you practice, just like you say meditation, if you practice, it can get easier and um, and the trick would be some of the things that will help are repeating a phrase in your head. So say you want to achieve something like I, um, I feel motivated to do my homework, right? Say if I had a student. I, I love doing my homework. I really enjoy my schoolwork, right? And, and if that's what somebody wants, they can just sit down and, in, you know, say it out loud, say it in their head over and over again, maybe even play some music in the background. I really enjoy my homework. I really enjoy my homework. I really enjoy my homework. And it's like, not so much like affirmations, but repeating something to yourself for what your goal is Um, could be like something that you can use. And if you sit there and with the music, with the right pace, get some of that, like, you know, um, om chanting in the background or something or bells or something that really has the right um, uh, repetitive sound You know, like, for example, if something has a tink, 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 even a metronome, something like that will help set your brain to that sort of hypnotic state. You could stare at a flame while you think it. So there's that focus to kind of help not, you know, distract you, keep you from being distracted, focus on something visually, as well as focus on repeating in your mind something that you want to be true.
0: And that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, we all do it all the time. If we like, when we want to lose weight, like we tell ourselves, "You will not eat chocolate. You will not eat chocolate. You will not eat
1: chocolate." chocolate, Don't you? I don't know. There's that, or you could say, "I can have all the chocolate that I want, but I'm choosing to not have chocolate." I love. I love using words too. So, like, as a tip to people out there, remember, most behaviors you are making a choice because as soon as you feel like someone says you can't doesn't that just make you want to touch it or eat it or yeah. So um, yeah. Yeah. So I always remind people that you're choosing, you know, you can choose to have the chocolate or you can choose not to have the chocolate. Even better. You can choose to say, I can have the chocolate, but I'm going to wait a day or I'm going to wait two hours. And if I still want the chocolate, then I can have some chocolate. And I can choose to have just a bite instead of the whole thing, you know. So that's just some weight loss advice for anybody who's, you know, trying to work on
0: it on their own. And just to th- just to jump back for a second, the, the while tr- the the story I was trying to think of about Lucifer was Paradise Lost. Oh, okay. Because that's yeah,
1: title. That a- I didn't know that's what it was about. Okay. Huh.
0: Yeah, Par- Paradise Lost is John Milton's version of it's the story of Lucifer and his beginning to question the angels and god and basically huh. it, it's the story of his fall and him basically learning it's better to reign in hell than serve in heaven
1: Huh, like, i'm gonna have to as, check that out yeah
0: I've, yeah podcast podcast mythology podcast just did an amazing four-part series on it and that's why i listen to and it's i mean podcast is a good job at anything they do but they did a really good job of that story and it makes you like you could feel it. Like you could feel the emotion behind like the actors' voices. Like it's so good. It's just
1: Oh. What was the and name of the
0: podcast? It's Parcast. Um it's their mythology podcast. Cool. It's just called it's called mythology. But so before well, I... we wrap it up, beer, let me ask you. Do you work with clients just in person or virtually as well?
1: Um, I do both. Yeah. And um, actually, I've been moving more into virtually and I'm looking to um, start doing more with groups um, because I have a lot of stuff, other stuff going on that, um, you know, I love my in-person clients. But um, I, I like the freedom of like like we're doing right here. Yes. Um, just pop it on. And plus, it's easier for me to see people like in the evening or something like that when I nor- might not normally, you know, schedule someone. I, you know, yeah, it's It's easier for them too, but I can see people far away that way too.
0: And it makes sense. No one, no one has to worry about traffic or getting there on time. Mm -hmm. It's just, you just have to be sitting in your living room or your bedroom or something and turn on your computer and go. Yeah, it's great. So where can they find you if they want to try to book an appointment with you?
1: Um, Yeah. So I think probably the easiest way. So I have two websites, but they both like one of them points you toward the other you know, on some stuff, they both list each other in there, too. So um, maybe the easiest one to remember would be um, intuitive journey with Desiree. Um, so that's also the, you know, the name for my podcast, YouTube. But it's also um, one of my websites intuitive journey with Desiree. And um, on there, it'll point you to my other website, if it's not on that one, which is transhypnotherapy.com. So they're both a .com and trans hypnotherapy is T-R-A-N-S hypnotherapy, short for transpersonal, which um, I chose before the trans thing came out. But hey, it's trans whatever you want, right? Exactly. Transatlantic, transunion, transformative, but trans uh, transpersonal. So trans hypnotherapy is um, my website that has you know all my certifications, sessions, and pricing. But the um, you can get there via the other intuitive journey with Desiree com as well.
0: Sounds good, and I will of course put links, all the links that for these on the podcast description as well, so people can just click a link. But and I want to thank you for coming on Desiree. It's been an honor to have you on, and I learned a lot today, and I hope my listeners will learn a lot too when they hear this, and I hope our watchers learned a lot as well.
1: Thanks so, for having me. This is oh, fun. My- yeah.
0: My, my pleasure, my pleasure. And for all my listeners, you know where you can find me, and I will catch you in half a week for the next episode. And we thank Desiree once again for coming on. It's been an amazing show, and I will see you all next time.